0: We fully believed and fully expected to win this game and give San Francisco credit, but I, I felt like we had plenty of opportunities to kind of put the game out of reach, didn't do enough.
1: This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. the Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills.
2: A class in high school it was my senior year, uh, and it was—I think it was just English four. I don't think it was any form of specific English, like literature or poetry. I think it was just English four, my senior year of high school. And my teacher—I'll never forget her, my entire life. Very funny woman, very interesting woman, uh, great class. And she would rant all the time about how people added an S to her last name. Her last name ended in a D, and yet people would always add an S. And she'd always complain and say, why do we do this in the Midwest? We always add S's to the end of words. Why Why do we do this? It makes no sense. And at the time, I'm like, nobody does that. Calm down. Uh, I won't use her name, but calm down. I didn't say that out loud, but always in my head, I was like, do people really do that? Well, this morning, I'm I'm up and I'm preparing to record an episode of The Swing with Jesse Temple because Zach's taking a couple days off this week. He asked if I could fill in. I said, Zach, I won't let you see it in my face, and I would never say this out loud uh, to you, but I've been waiting for an invite on the swing. Uh, Kenny and Heilperin, Temple and Heilprin I've just been I've been waiting. I, I, This is what I think about before I go to bed. I will absolutely do. Yes, I'll do the swing. So this morning, before I, I hopped in a Zoom call with Jesse and we recorded, I was just doing some Badger prep things. I'm like, I'll, I'll go back and I'll watch Greg Gard and Tom Izzo's postgame pressers from Saturday because I didn't see those. And Tom Izzo, I swear, he's calling Nolan Winter, Nolan Winters. He's calling AJ Store, AJ Stores. Right? And I have noticed, you know, as I've gotten older, since this high school teacher first put this idea in my head of, of Midwesterners adding S's to everything, we, we do do it. It's something we do. Every Everybody calls it Bally's. It's it's Bally sports, Wisconsin. There's no S on there. And yet you know, everyone calls it Ballys. So I don't know why we do that. It's a, it's a very Midwestern thing. Uh, and I was wrong to doubt my high school teacher that always ranted about it. I don't know why we do this in the Midwest. Tom Izzo, Tom, you coach in the big 10. You got nothing but respect for Greg Gard and his program. You just played AJ store. You wax poetic in your postgame presser about, oh my God, he can shoot the three. He can beat you off the dribble. He's very athletic. He can always get to his shot. He makes his free throws. He gets to the line. AJ stores why are we adding are we adding s's Nolan winters why are we it's no, it's Nolan winter Tom maybe if you pay a little closer attention you wouldn't be getting swept by Wisconsin like are we skipping out on film study are we not not reading the scouting reports what's going on so we do do this in the Midwest years ago I doubted it but uh life experience as you get older uh crazy how that happens uh I, that high school teacher, should be very vindicated not that she needs it but if I ever bump into her I'll be like yep you were right uh I doubted you at the time but uh yes you were very right this is the Wisco Sports Show my name is Grant Bilses no just Grant Bills. uh there's no s on the end of my name either Kurt Hogs, Kurt Hogue from the journal Sentinel is going to join us at 4 30 I recorded with him about a half hour ago just a quick check-in I have this really bad habit of bringing on guests and I just I you know I host a show by myself so anytime I have a guest on I'm just so tickled to to have another voice, to have an expert, to have somebody else join in on the conversation, then I'm often a runaway train with how long I keep guests. 12 minutes, it's a tight 12 with Kurt. We talked about the Reese Hoskins edition, what he heard from Matt Arnold, what he heard from Reese Hoskins, who had a Zoom call with the media earlier this week. Maybe we'll hear a little bit of that during tonight's show. Who knows? Kurt Hogue, you're going to hear that conversation coming up at 4.30. Not sure about Mike Clemens. Uh, unsure, I will send him a text. That can be part of the surprise. We'll we'll learn together at 530, whether he uh, he wants to come on, maybe talk a little bit about uh, the search for defensive coordinator. The list is getting longer for the Packers. I thought, you know, towards the end of last week, Thursday, Friday, okay, Christian Walker, you know, I got my arms around this list. And then Baltimore was bounced. And all of a sudden, three or four names off that staff are getting added to the list. So the list for defensive coordinator is getting bigger Doesn't mean we couldn't get news at any time of who Matt LaFleur is hiring, but I thought that maybe we'd have an answer by yesterday, maybe today, but with Baltimore and and their coaching staff now being done for the year, Matt LaFleur wanting to interview a couple of those guys, Zach Orr, which is a name a lot of people liked. He's a really respected defensive voice and, and coach that's risen very quickly up the ranks in Baltimore on that staff after his playing career was ended by injury. So maybe. Maybe we'll get news. Maybe we'll talk to Mike Clemens about it. I don't know. It's all up in the air for the 5 o'clock hour. And by the way, Mike Clemens, yes, there is a name. He's not Mike Clemen. There is actually an S on the end of his name. If you want to call and join the show, I'll open up the phone lines in a little bit. 608-321-1670. You can always tweet me as well, at WiscoGrant. I want to begin the show by shouting out our Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I actually thought, despite the loss last night that the Bucks looked quite good. Now, they didn't look perfect. They lost. They were up at one point, I think, 26 to 13. And then I think they gave up what would have been, what, 13 or 14 unanswered because the Nuggets then made it 27, 26. But then it was a very back-and-forth second quarter, a very back-and-forth third quarter, a pretty competitive fourth quarter until the end. Denver made shots, and Milwaukee did not. So it wasn't a perfect game, and the Bucks obviously did not win their first game of the Doc Rivers era, the Doc debut, some are calling. Nobody's calling it that. I, I thought maybe it would stick or maybe it would work. But now that I say it out loud, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that good. I thought about tweeting the Doc is in last night, and I'm like ah, that tweet will age poorly if the Bucks lose, and and they did. But the Bucks, I thought, looked very solid last night. They lose one thirteen to one o seven, but watching in the first, the second, the third quarter, and honestly, most of the fourth quarter as well, the word that came to mind while watching the Bucks was sturdy. You're like, who's ever referred to a sports team as sturdy before, right? Like, it's not a word that we would often use to discuss or to describe a basketball team or a baseball team or a football team. Sturdy. Who calls a team sturdy? That was the word that kept coming to mind right last night. Because... There were lots of moments throughout this season so far. It's still you know, relatively early. We're about halfway through the season, but we still got to get through February and March and into April before we even start talking about the playoffs. And we're not even to the All-Star break yet, right? But there have been plenty of moments so far this Bucks season where I've watched them and, and they've been winning or they've had nice moments or they've had a really nice run in the fourth quarter and crunch time to win a game. But I've watched them and thought, I don't, I don't trust that. I, I, I don't trust that. I don't trust this team. I don't fully buy in. They, I, I'm not really putting faith in what they're doing. If the Bucks were a body of water in the winter, I would look out and, and think, the ice, like, it's you probably walk on it. You're not going to fall through. But I'd never drive my truck out there right now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think there's enough ice. and There's enough ice to get the job. Like, you want to walk out there, drill some holes, set some tip-ups, maybe do some jigging. You're probably fine. Like bring ice spikes just in case. There's enough ice, I guess, but like I wouldn't drive my, my Toyota Tundra. I don't own a Tundra. I don't know why that truck was the example that came in my mind. I wouldn't drive my Ford F-150 out onto the ice. I don't trust that. That's not sturdy. I don't have a lot of faith. I certainly don't have blind faith in that ice whereas you know some winters it's really cold and you got to get the extendo bit for your ice auger to really get all the way through there's like two feet of ice it's like you pull an aircraft carrier out here won't fall through right you trust it it's sturdy the Bucks won plenty of games this year and some nice moments but the structure of the team despite the results despite the win the structure was like a little wobbly a little thin and last night I know they didn't win and there were frustrating moments especially at the end but that felt more sturdy. It's like the bones, the foundation of what I'm watching feels better. I have more confidence in that. Does that make, does that make sense? Am I, I hope I'm painting the picture that I'm, that I'm trying to paint and you're understanding what I'm saying. It's like, okay, there are, there are principles at play and defensive rotations and sets and ideas on offense. The structure is there. That's sturdier. That's a sturdy team. Right? Like I could drive a truck onto the ice. right? Like that's I, I trust that. I watched last night and like, Giannis, Dame, who didn't do enough. Like If you're going to go to Denver and win, even on a night where Denver didn't have their best and they didn't hit the most shots last night, they didn't hit too many threes, you're going to have to have your best from Dame. Giannis was very, very good. Chris Middleton was efficient. I wish they would have won you know, some more sets for him. Lot of Bobby Portis last night. Lot, lot, lot of Bobby Portis. And, and last night, Dame didn't do enough. And the bench just—they—they they just were completely outclassed and outshined by the Nuggets' defense. And the bench has been an issue throughout the year. Doc Rivers basically—well, he didn't basically say—he did say it in his post-game press conference. This is courtesy of Bally Sports Wisconsin, not Bally's. Bally Sports Wisconsin. This is what Doc said. It's very brief. Uh, this is very on the nose, though. First half, the second group were got crushed. <laughs> first half our bench man uh, they sucked um and they did and i don't think the bench would i don't think any of those guys would be offended by that bobby portis well, when the Bucs have played their best basketball this year it's been because of course giannis and dame and and, and they're, they're they're flowing and their offense is working and they're they're getting stops and Brooke lopez is playing well but when the Bucs have really looked sturdy in, in in spots here and there throughout the year it's been because bobby portis was contributing Last night, Bobby Portis, (laughs) poor guy, finished 2 of thirteen. Two of 13. It's like, man, Chris Middleton's only shot 10 times. He's hit six of them. He's shooting 60% tonight. Maybe let's get him some looks. Now, part of that is they have a brand new head coach, and they're trying to figure this out on the fly. And Bobby Portis is a veteran. He's been here a while, so the game just kind of played out the way that it played out. Um, The Bucs looked a lot sturdier last night. They can defend. Doc Rivers said that after the game. He's like, did you see that tonight? The, the book is out. There's no secret. The cat's out of the bag. This team can play defense, right? They are capable of defending. They're probably not capable of being the best defensive team in basketball. Now that Drew Holiday's is not here, but they are more than capable. And that goes back to John Horst and, and what he had to say and what I completely and totally agreed with last week. And actually, why, why don't as I talk here, I'm going to try to pull up that audio of what John Horst had to say. Um, this team is capable of playing defense at a higher level than than we've seen like it's been really really bad they're better than really really bad this is what John Horst had to say this is the the comment that I'm talking about this is the long I'll play the long answer for you about the Bucks defense and expectations for the Bucks defense uh but first I have to there's some audio playing that shouldn't be playing hold on where's that where's that coming from oh it's Doc Rivers (laughs) here's John Horst
0: we have a really good record and that matters and 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 we've had that in the past we have an elite offense and I believe we not only have an elite offense in terms of rating on a total game but we have a starting five that's elite offensively is very good defensively we're great in late game situations we have uh iso scores we have pick and roll scores we have a lot of dynamic um I would say flexible things that we can do offensively defensively we have a talent group, I think, that can be better than what they've been so far. There it is. is. A Top five defense, a top 10, a top 15. I don't know. And, and that's what we're trying to decide here with the roster as constructed. We're trying to understand where we can take it, having the players be better. The players have an accountability to do this to be better. Uh, and, and then the coaching element. And so... I know that we're going to be really good offensively, and we've got to figure out how to improve defensively consistently. We've had points throughout the season where we've been very good defensively. We've had points where we've really struggled. And so trying to find a consistency and an identity on that side is part of this.
2: So last night, the defense is good enough. The takeaway after last night's game should not be, this team won't play defense. They can't play defense. They played defense last night. Jamal Murray was just awesome. And Nikola Jokic did a little bit more than Giannis, although Giannis was tremendous last night as well. He was super efficient. He made just about all of his free throws. He took one three and he made it. 29, 12, four assists, a steal, a block. Giannis was great. Chris Middleton was very, very good. I'd like to siphon a couple, maybe like half, maybe most of those Bobby Portis shots away. Let's take maybe all of those and and disperse them to Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton took 10 shots last night and was feeling it. He was six of 10. Uh, with fourteen points, but I thought his impact could have been a little bit bigger. Damian Lillard, if you're gonna go into Denver, Damian Lillard's gonna have to do a little bit better than five of thirteen. Right? And that's just the reality when you're playing the defending champs in their building in the altitude, right? But I I was not disappointed. I, I was not frustrated with the Bucks performance last night. I actually thought that's 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 I don't want to say one of the best performances or like they haven't looked that good all year because I, I I honestly can't pick and choose every single game and I, I can't accurately say whether that's the best they've looked all year that's the sturdiest i think they've looked in a while like that was a sturdy trustworthy team i'm like okay the framework the the foundation is is good where up until this point in the year it's like okay they won tonight or they looked like wow that was really exciting good finish and crunch time but like the foundation needs to be a little bit better and i really liked the foundation last night now, of course, in crunch time, they weren't good enough. It was the opposite. First three quarters were great. Then the fourth quarter wasn't enough, whereas most of the rest of the season, the first three quarters were a journey, and then Damian Lillard and Giannis and Chris just figured it out in crunch time. Last night was the opposite, but I think last night is a building block. Last night is a starting point. I, I was actually quite impressed with the way the Bucks played and, and how they looked. In Denver last night we can continue to talk about that I also want to talk about the big NFL news of the the day Ben Johnson is staying in Detroit which I I guess is not totally shocking people were pretty shocked by this today I, I I I mean I don't know I don't have sources close to the Lions or close to Ben Johnson I thought it was a coin flip chance it seemed like a lot of reporting tied him to that Washington job so we'll see but we can talk about that as well Kurt Hogan to join us at 430 Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I'm on Twitter at Wisco Grant if you want to tweet along or. You know, tell me, hey, the show sucks. All right, Twitter, that's the place for it. It's the most negative place in the world. That's why I love it. You can find me at Wisco Grant. You can call the show if you'd like, 608-321-1670. We're going to talk with Kurt Hogue coming up in about 10, 15 minutes uh, about Reese Hoskins joining the Brewers. He was in a media call both with Matt Arnold earlier this week and Reese Hoskins. uh, Yeah, earlier this week. I know it's only Tuesday. Uh, It feels like Thursday or Friday with how much news we've already had in the sports world. It's been a really busy 10 or so days, really starting with the Packers losing in San Francisco and then Adrian Griffin and then Doc River. Like we've had a lot. Uh, so it's, it's felt a lot longer than however many days was it been 10 days since the Packers lost to San Francisco, a lot going on. So we'll talk about what's going on with the Brewers uh, and how we've ended up at this point. Adamas Burns, Williams, all still on the team. Devin Williams actually extended. Reese Hoskins is now playing first base for the Brewers. This offseason could have gone a lot differently. We thought maybe some of those veterans would be traded with only a year left on their, their contract or, you know, who knows. And instead, we end up at a place where everyone was retained and a bunch of money and free agency was spent on a bona fide first baseman, uh, which is pretty cool. So we'll have that discussion with Kurt Hogue, our friend from the Journal Sentinel, coming up in just a bit. Gave a quick shout out to the Bucks to begin the show. I thought they looked pretty solid last night. That, that gave me hope that the bare bones, the structure of this team, the foundation of this team is still good enough to play defense at a high enough level to make shots at a high enough level. Now, they didn't do it at a high enough level at the end of the game. You also got to realize that the Nuggets might be the best team in basketball. They're the defending champs, and they have a crazy home court advantage, and Jamal Murray was awesome last night. Nuggets also didn't hit a whole lot of threes, so, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of different factors in these games, but... To be in a, a one or two possession game late against Denver after having now your third head coach in the span of about a week, that's pretty good. And this team, as Doc Rivers pointed out after the game, it's like, yeah, oh yeah, this team can play defense. Like the cat is out of the bag. Everyone wants to drag them and say, well, now without Drew Holiday, they're not capable of defending anyone. Oh no, they they acquitted themselves just fine against a very, very good offense uh, last night. And. Actually, Mike Clemens sent some audio. Let me see if uh, we do have the—Rivers says it was not the defense that was bad. It was the buck shooting. Yeah, let me play this clip. This is Doc Rivers talking about exactly what I'm hinting at here. Here he is.
1: Uh, I told our guys, anyone who told you you couldn't play defense, lie. Uh, you proved that tonight. You competed tonight, and, and, you know, they got 15 points off of our turnovers. If you take that away, our half-court defense was excellent when we fought tonight. I thought tonight was an
2: offensive loss. I agree completely and totally, 100%. You know, last week, Bobby Portis was asked about uh, Doc Rivers being the, the coach of the Bucks, And he said something that I absolutely loved. And I'll paraphrase because I don't have the full answer in front of me. And I think it was a very long, exhaustive answer. But the bare bones of it, the spirit of the answer was it's going to be a good fit and it's going to be nice to have a head coach who's got something to prove. And, look, I'm not, I, I'm not hearts on fire for Doc Rivers over here because I watched him as head coach of the Sixers, watched him as head coach of the Clippers for a long time. Like it, It's been a long time since Doc Rivers was exceeding or succeeding or exceeding expectations or succeeding, either word works, at a high level late, late, late in the playoffs. But w- what I like about this fit and what Bobby Portis talked about last week is Doc Rivers has got something to prove. Okay, Doc Rivers is not going to come into the situation and say, All right, it's on you guys. Like, you got to figure this out. Okay? Like, Doc knows that he's taken some hits PR wise for failures with the Clippers, for failure with the Sixers. I also think deep down, Doc knows that, well, yeah, I was coaching James Harden and Chris Paul and Joel Embiid. Not exactly a group of players that are known for their postseason performance, right? Giannis has shown us throughout the years that he can show up in the biggest moments. Chris Middleton showed us in 2020, 2021, that he can show up in big moments. Brooke Lopez, heck, even Bobby Portis. I know he's a bench guy, certainly didn't show up last night, but he's shown that he can make shots in a postseason and play a role. Damian Lillard, not really sure. We have to assume, you know, he can make plays in big moments in regular season games and in the limited playoff experience that we've seen Right And in earlier rounds, he's had some big shots and big moments. I think Doc, hopefully, hopefully, looks at this team and says, okay, finally, I got some killers who aren't going to go soft on me, who aren't going to flop in big moments late in the playoffs. And I hope that Doc realizes that he's got something to prove. Right? It didn't work with the Clippers. It didn't work with the Sixers. He left Philly with a lot of egg on his face, goes to broadcasting, only works for a couple of months in the number one booth right, cost Van Gundy and Mark Jackson a job, backed out to now coach the Bucs, he's got something to prove. Right? Like, Doc Rivers has to perform. This kind of has to work for his career as a high-level coach to continue. And I think that's a great fit. I, I really think that's a great fit. Doc Rivers has got pressure to win now. This Bucks team, we know, has pressure to win now. That's why they fired Adrian Griffin, right? If this Bucks team had three or four years of runway, they wouldn't have done that. Right. If they had three or four years of a runway, the team looks different and the team might mesh with Adrian Griffin or, or maybe not. Maybe an Adrian Griffin was just a really, really bad coach and it wasn't going to work no matter the personnel, no matter the expectations. But this Bucks team is expected to contend and compete and win now. And Doc Rivers is in the same boat. And I thought it was awesome. That made me so happy last week to see Bobby Portis talking about that. Like, yeah, it'll be nice to have a coach who's got something to prove. Like he's going to be scratching and clawing and fighting because he knows it's got to happen now for him as well, not just us. And I'm not saying that Adrian Griffin, you know, didn't have any urgency. I'm not saying Coach Bud didn't have any urgency, but Bud, look, his tenure ran its course. And I see so many disingenuous takes and tweets and sports talk segments from sports talkers and talking heads. It's like they never should have fired Coach Bud. Really? Really? You can't get on your podcast, you can't get on your sports radio or TV show for two or three straight postseasons and be like, the Bucs aren't going to be able to do it with Bud. Bud is the problem, can't adjust, got to fire Bud. Bud is a little bit of a joke. Bud was a punchline in a lot of NBA circles among NBA writers and talkers and media people. You can't slander Bud and say that he's not good enough and how the Bucs need to make a change for two or three years only to then say the Bucks shouldn't have made the change when they actually make the change. Okay. So I have no regrets and I have no uh I have no remorse for the Bucks' decision to move on from Coach Butt at the end of last season. Yeah, it's a massive bummer that he was dealing with a death in his family, and that's super, super sad. But he's also getting paid to not work. He's a champion. I think his time with the Bucs probably had to come to an end anyways. It's a bummer that it came to an end the way that it did. But I think that's a move the Bucs had to make. Now you want to slander the Bucks for making a bad hire in Adrian Griffin? Go off. They thought they had something there, and and maybe Adrian Griffin maybe maybe Adrian Griffin sold him a bill of goods, and the Bucks were completely bamboozled. Maybe Adrian Griffin would have worked a lot better with a Drew Holiday team than a Damian Lillard team. I, I don't know. Right? You can criticize the Bucs for that hire because I mean he made it what forty three games. That's that's as bad as it gets. That's like Urban Meyer, except Urban Meyer kicked his kicker and didn't fly home on the team plane because he wanted to, you know, we all know what he was doing. I don't need to say it on the radio. Some club in Columbus or Cincinnati or wherever Cleveland, wherever he was. I don't know. Somewhere in Ohio. He stayed by. Yo, you guys fly back to Florida. I'm going to stay here and, you know, get some tail. <laughs> it's like, okay. Adrian Griffin had an Urban Meyer-esque tenure without the Urban Meyer stuff. Like, it's as bad as it gets. So you can slander. You can complain about the Bucks making a bad hire. And I think the Bucs needed to move on. And I think Doc Rivers was the best available coach. I think he's a good fit for this team, given the options. And the fact that they need to win now. And Doc kind of has to win now, too. I liked what he had to say in the press conference last night. I liked what I saw on the court for the most part. They didn't hit enough clutch shots. I think the game plan maybe got a little off the rails. A lot of Bobby Portis. Way too much Bobby Portis last night. I like Bobby. I think there's a role on the team for him. I, I see in Buck's Twitter, there's you know, there's circles of Buck's Twitter that think Bobby should be traded. I, I don't think that that's wise at this moment. I don't really know what they'd get for him. I don't really see how they'd get better. Way too much Bobby Portis last night. And they couldn't hit shots in, in crunch time. All right? That's a bummer, but you're also playing in Denver. It's a game that you were really going to struggle to win anyways. So I'm, for the most part, pretty happy with the Bucks today. I want to talk coming up towards 5 o'clock about some NFL things. Ben Johnson staying with the Lions. What does that mean for the Commanders? What does it mean for the Seahawks? What does it mean for the Lions and the rest of the NFC North? Right, coming off of that backbreaking, heartbreaking loss to the Niners. We'll talk about that. I also want to share with you an observation that I made through the first couple rounds of the, the postseason. Teams that advanced. Teams that won playoff games. You notice... A lot of these games came down to red zone execution. I want to talk about that later on in the show. So we'll circle back. We'll talk about the NFL closer to 5 o'clock. Coming up next, I want to talk Brewers. Our boys in brew. Reese Hoskins is now one of those boys in brew. We're going to talk to Kurt Hogue of the Journal Sentinel next on the Wisco Sports Show.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Cisco Sports Show. Appreciate you being here, listening. I want to talk Packers, defensive coordinator search. We'll do that in the second hour of the show. I also want to talk about 5 o'clock. Do you notice last couple of rounds of the playoffs, a lot of these games defined by red zone successes or failures? right? The Packers moved the ball on the Niners in the first half. They just couldn't punch it in when they needed to. right? Or the Ravens. Zay Flowers fumbling near the goal line, and then Lamar Jackson throwing a red zone interception, an end zone interception. Right, red zone was huge the last couple of weeks. So I want to talk about that at 5 o'clock, but right now we're going to talk Brewers. Kurt Hogue joined me earlier this afternoon to talk about what he heard from Matt Arnold when he spoke to the media, and Reese Hoskins, the newest Brewer as well. Here's Kurt, enjoy. We're here with Kurt Hogue of the Journal Sentinel. Kurt, we have something to celebrate. Uh, the Brewers did the thing that Brewers fans have been clamoring for for 10 years or maybe more just go sign a first baseman a true honest to goodness first baseman they've they've gone to korea to find a first baseman they converted owen miller to find a first. they finally did the thing and this deserves praise and celebration no matter how jaded the brewers organization may have made you over the years not not me i'm just saying certain fans
3: there have been moments since prince fielder left in which the brewers had competent first base play I say moments on purpose, though it was it was like Eric Thames for four months was unstoppable. Hages Aguilar was an all star. Um, Alex Gonzalez played first base for the Brewers. Chris Carter hit bombs. I think as soon as Matt Gamble got hurt, stop. I can't immediately after Prince Fielder left. I think that was that was 2012, right? Maybe that was 2013. Either way. Like, right after Prince Fielder left, the first baseman of the future got hurt, never played again. I think that was an omen. And now, yeah, the Brewers did the thing where it's everyone's like, yeah, this Reese Hoskins guy, that would make a lot of sense for these cats. Need a first baseman, need a big bat. he He's shown to be an elite hitter in the past, yet uh, his market's going to be a little de- bit depressed from what you'd expect it to be in normal years. Sounds like an opportunity for the Brewers to slide in with a, High AAV, low year total deal. Let him hit the market again. It's the Brewers' special. It's been a while since they did it since 2019. But uh, when they do it, they can get some good players.
2: Well, Yasmani Grandal was my comparison. His market was depressed. Which, by the way, I love that wording. It's only in baseball. It would be a good band name. Uh, depressed market, depressed market. would be pretty good. Yep. Uh, I don't remember Yasmani Grandal had a bad World Series in 2018. I suppose. Still thought that he could maybe get a little bit better deal. He did the one-year deal with the Brewers. So Matt Arnold spoke this week. I heard you. I listened to the press conference with Reese Hoskins earlier today. By the way, do you ever get pissed that Adam McCalvey always gets to go first? They, I mean, he's he's always getting getting the goods right at the jump of every press conference. Does that ever irk you?
3: I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to make good radio, and I'm, yes, it does. <laughs> I, can't, I, I don't like that about him. It's, yeah. It's, I, I did not have my hand raised uh, in time. No, Todd got the first question yesterday.
2: I think you're right in the in uh, in, yes. in the Zoom call. It in was Zoom, Todd.
3: Yes, yes,
2: yes. Right. I mean, right. now, may,
3: maybe that. that's 2024's mission: stop letting Adam ask the first question.
2: <laughs> so, nope. what did you hear from? What did you hear from Matt Arnold and and Reese Hoskins? Give us the lowdown of of what you heard that you liked, what questions you had answered. What did we learn this week, Kurt Hogue?
3: Well, I wrote about this too. The interesting thing about the Hoskins signing to me isn't so much that, you know, they just signed Reese Hoskins, but it's in the context of the entire offseason. Honestly, I expected them to go into this offseason and trade someone. So one of their big guys, trade Adamus, trade Burns, trade Devin Williams. Um, Maybe they could, could have surprised us and traded one of the prospects, you know, like the outfield prospects. Weimer, maybe. We, yeah, one of those guys from depth. They didn't do any of that. I mean, they traded Taylor, and they traded Hauser, and they traded Mark Cannon, but I think you can look at all that and be like, that's very understandable, trading from depth um, and then replacing it with better players. Cheaper, too. Cheaper, cheaper players. That's yes, important caveat. And it is important caveat because some of that money went to re-signing Reese Hoskins anyway. They didn't do any of that. They added to the team uh, in free agency, spending more money than they have the last, what, probably two years combined. So all in all, you know, outside of the the manager resetting the managerial market by walking to Chicago, pretty good offseason for the Brewers
2: uh,
3: in my estimation.
2: So I'm I'm glad that you, the context of this offseason, maybe what we expected, and there were reports, Now I don't remember who the report originally was, like no one is off the table for the Brewers this offseason. Everyone off Everyone's you know, the
3: table. It was Ken you- Rosenthal, so it's like the, he's got people telling him, which that's that just like, what's what's going to happen.
2: By the way, saying that anyone is on the table at any given time—that's not a bad way to operate. Now that doesn't, you know. No, I think
3: I yeah, I think what what's overlooked here is that's kind of how it always is with
2: the Yes. Yes. Exactly. It was,
3: it was prese- like if you're going to make a story about it, I think that then it's being presented as like, I'm hearing that the Brewers are likely to do yes this. yes um, we didn't write anything along those lines. But I would venture to guess that, you know, Ken Rosenthal's sources are a little more on the national, like other teams scale uh, where he's hearing what other teams are having in conversations. Whereas, you know, sure, we're going to be a little more Milwaukee focused and that was not exactly the message coming from them, but it still would not have been surprising if Devin Williams had been floated for like three top 100 prospects or something. Totally.
2: I, I, I and I'm, farther away from the situation than you obviously but i i could see a no, reasonable offseason well i'm in the i was in the clubhouse once uh in arizona uh that i i feel like the brewers went into this offseason just kind of saying we'll see right yeah. and if they got they got offers for burns or for adamas that completely blew them away I I don't doubt that we could be looking at a very different Brewers team right now. I, I don't think the Brewers went into this offseason saying, no, we're going to hold on to everyone or no, we're going to trade everyone. I, I think that they truly thought, as Rosenthal reported, anything or everything is on the table. Let's see what the market is like. And the market was depressed, as Morosi reported for Adamas and Burns. The maybe not market. With the Depressed market. So instead, we end up here. Where, where the off season could have gone a different way. We would have ended up in a very different place. And I still think it would have been fine. The Brewers mm-hmm. just wanted to see how the market and everything played out.
3: Yeah. And so this is why the question, one question I think I asked yesterday was to Matt Arnold about like, this was the, the expectation for a lot of people is you, do trade away from 2024. You probably don't win next year, but you, you know, package things better for the future. And you didn't do that. Why did you not do that? And Kind of, yeah, there was there was sort of that's sort of an opportunity to say we had no intention of trading any of these guys, we were never going to trade Burns. He didn't say that. What he did say was there's a lot of different avenues that an offseason can take, a lot of different paths that it can take, and we want to win now and we also want to win in the future. And so, I think what you're saying is absolutely spot on that the what was presented to the Brewers was no one was willing to pay the Kings ransom that they were asking for Corbin Burns and no one was willing to pay the ransom for Willie Thomas either as an aside, like I don't think Willie Thomas was ever super likely to get traded because his value is going to be like, he's a better player than his value might be on this trade market after the way he hit last year. But It it did not work out. Uh, No one met their insane asking price for these guys. And, like, the Brewers should go into this offseason demanding a lot for Corbin Burns. If you're going to trade the best homegrown pitcher since, like, Teddy Higuera, you should ask for a lot. Mm -hmm. And it just ended up working out in this way that, hey, we're going to keep all these guys. But then the thing that you have to do on top of that is if you're not going to trade them away, if you're going to say, okay, 2024, we're about to lose all these guys after the year, we got to do something now. Uh, And Reese Hoskins, Grant, counts as something with a capital S.
2: Yes. Uh, The offseason makes sense. Again, I don't think the Brewers came into the offseason necessarily thinking, we're going to keep everyone, and then we're going to spend a lot of money on a first baseman. This is the way it worked out. Right, I think there were a lot of sliding doors in this offseason that yeah. led us to the spot. Yes. I'm very excited that we're in this spot because I like watching a better baseball team, and I'm psyched to watch Reese Hoskins. And the thing that the things that he was saying in his media availability with you guys, he's like, as a competitor, I'm I'm amped, and as a competitor, I know that this is a place they're competitive and they're pushing to try to make deep postseason runs. This is super exciting.
3: Yeah, as a competitor, I'm amped to get the first question out before Adam to Reese Hoskins
2: uh, uh, after a, after a big game. Adam does always like Adam just gets in there he gets after it he gets multiple questions too on the zoom
3: well yeah the first the first question ritual is always an interesting thing from market to market in some places it's like the t v person like gets it um and there's like a everyone knows and whether it's written or unwritten agreement that that's what's gonna happen some places like it's just the veteran person there's not really a thing in Milwaukee but um. I just, it's, I guess it's Adam's thing, maybe. I don't know.
2: Interesting. Well, someone's got to do it.
3: I, uh, so, okay. I, sorry, I don't know if you had, a, you had a question you wanted to jump to, but you, you mentioned something that I wanted to touch on mm-hmm. quickly. You mentioned the sliding doors that have led to these events for the brewers. I, I I, do not think that the, what's the best way to word this? I should say, I think that you the the Craig Council move to go to Chicago is not you cannot separate that entirely from what the Brewers have done this offseason. This offseason began with what a lot of people in the organization view as a a bit of a a bit a bit of a middle finger. Uh, they felt like their offer was competitive. Now the Cubs made a much more competitive offer, and the money was there. As you know, Craig Council reset the managerial market. He did. And it, the way that sat with, in, with some of the decision makers with the Brewers, you have to, I feel like when you view the offseason in totality, where they didn't trade their top guys away, they ended up spending more money than they have in recent years. They hired Council's, you know, one of his best buddies, his longtime coaching confidant, to be the manager. They kept the entire coaching staff and they made sure to announce it right away that they were keeping the entire coaching. staff. Like,
2: Mark was like, no, they're under contract. Why would anyone things? wonder what's going to happen with them? Like it was very right away. Yes.
3: Right away. The whole thing is like the Brewers seem to be operating from the, the Brewers always operate with like a level of rationality and like analytics and numbers, you know, yes. leading their decisions. But there's a little bit of like, no, we're going to win baseball games this year. And it seems like there's a little more desire to like build the team to win this year than in the past couple of years. Um, Especially when you consider the fact that like it would have been very rational for them to trade some of these players away. Totally. It would not have been hater all over again if they trade Burns. Some people would have been mad, but I think right on the whole, fans
2: would have understood why they're trading Burns. And I tweeted this yesterday. I'm like, it's got to be part of it. Like, counsel, the, the offseason begins with your guy kind of leaving you at the altar. And there's this idea, well, the Brewers won't pay. And they're like, I can't get it done there. And I, I'm i not saying they went out and signed Reese Hoskins just to show Craig counsel. But come on. It's in the back of Mark's mind a little bit. It's got to be back there somewhere. Even if it's in the very yeah. back of his mind. It's in there somewhere.
3: Well, the Cubs also had interest in Reese Hoskins, too. Mm-hmm. So, counsel or no counsel, that's, um, that's probably a factor as well.
2: And I'll I'll wrap up by saying, Now I just really need Cody Bellinger to announce that he's signing in Seattle and for Matt Chapman to really anywhere but Chicago. And when those things happen, oh, we're gonna have a party on the Wisco Sports Show.
3: <laughs> It'll be a party on Chicago radio too.
2: Different kind of party, probably.
3: Probably. Um, they were promised a lot.
2: And, and they have I- gotten a little. <laughs> Well, they got a brand new manager. So I mean, they won the offseason. They had an opportunity to reset the manager market. Day one of the offseason, they did it. I, I think anything that happens from there on out is is gravy. Successful offseason right from the jump. True. You you don't look convinced. You look skeptical. And that's 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 fair. That's reasonable. Kurt, I appreciate your time. I will see you in Arizona in just a couple weeks. That's right. Excited.
3: That's right. Clubhouse Clubhouse attendee grant.
2: Clubhouse attendee. Well, I like seeing a team in its infancy like getting a real read on them. Yeah, from you,
3: you get the, you get the smell of what that year is going to, what the the odors waft through, yeah. through your yeah. system. You, you the, get a feel uh, for how that year is going to
2: go. Nothing to do with the weather and the fact that it's depressing around it. has nothing to do. I just like seeing the team right away so I can draw my own conclusions before I'm, I'm tainted by any outside takes and media. Appreciate you, Kurt. Thank you very much. Outstanding question asking, even if you have to wait until after Adam goes, you do a bang up job in those pressers.
3: All right. Well, we'll I'll take
2: what I get. Thanks, Kurt.
3: This is the Wisco Sports
1: Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Wisco Sports Show. We thank Kurt Hogue. Love that guy. Just love him to death. Speaking of death, I think I'd die for Reese Hoskins. That's how excited I am to to have him play in first base for the Brewers. Good insight, Matt Arnold and Reese Hoskins both speaking to the Brewers media this week. We are days, just mere weeks away from pitchers and catchers report. Sight. It's going to be a really fun Brewers season. They're bringing the whole band back together and then some. We're doing it this year with a real first baseman and it's Actually, a little frustrating because Owen Miller was just starting to figure it out over there def- <laughs> defensively. <laughs> no, that's and I, I, I joke at the expense of Owen Miller, but I shouldn't because he's not a first baseman. I thought after, you know, a couple games over there, he actually made the most of that situation. I shouldn't hold that against Owen Miller. It's not his fault that Rowdy Telez stunk and Jesse Winker stunk and... You know, everyone else who was maybe going to play first base just didn't hack it last year. I actually tip my cap to Owen Miller for holding his own over there at first base. I, I'll rescind my joke that that is his is his expense. I'll, I'll pull that back. I want to get into the NFL at 5 o'clock, including a trend that I noticed in the NFL postseason. I think it's an important one and one that we need to talk about. But first, let's take a call. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Joe on the cross. How we doing? Hey, Joe. What's going on? Are you at a daycare? What What do I hear going on back there?
4: I am at a daycare on the daddy pickup shuffle.
2: So <laughs> okay. Life is good. What's going on, Joe?
4: Oh, not a lot. It was uh, you know I'm a Cubs fan, so I was falling asleep a little there in the last uh, segment, but uh, oh my a couple God. of quick ones for you. I I, I like uh, what you guys are talking about. Something I think with the pack and teams in general that's underrated is signing. You got a young team signing these guys to a one-year or two-year deal after the market kind of passes yep. over them, and then. You trade them or you hold on to them, and it's just minimal risk. Uh, and then the the real reason I called was you've still got your loop playing on WKTY here, Ash and uh, Goody for not being a UW all alone then. I think he's maybe earned his spot to where we gotta gotta take that one down. He's, that's uh, very
2: that's he's very true. Job. I think I gotta make some new promos. I don't know if this call is gonna all make right. it into one of the promos. Doesn't make it a bad call. Uh, I don't know if this one's gonna make it in, but. I do need to make some new promos, you're absolutely correct. i I do did that put you to sleep as a Cubs fan. Why'd that put you to sleep?
4: Well, mainly just brewers talking. Uh right. I mean the weather's nice, so we got we got nothing to argue hey, about. But uh, That's I'm true. talking to Grant on the radio. That's June. She just says hi.
2: Oh, tell June um, hello from all of us. Yeah.
4: Grant says hi. Uh yeah, no, you know, it's it, it's almost baseball season. The slow draft uh, for fantasy is starting here in uh a week or so and that one goes for about six weeks, so Catch a couple Brewer sleepers maybe while I'm listening on hold here.
2: You think Christian Yelich is back? Like, Cody Bellinger was back last year. Christian Yelich is mostly back. Do you think Yelich is back?
4: I think he's got a shot.
2: Okay, um, he's got a shot to be back. I'm going to write that down. A yeah, shot
4: well, to be back. But, uh, you know, I think if, if the Cubs re-sign a guy like Bellinger... Uh, I think it's going to be a tough year. You know, I, think, I think it'll be a competitive uh, division this
2: year. I think it will be, too. The Reds doing a lot of good things. Joe, I'll let you go and attend to your family. Thank you for waiting and, and chiming in. You you are correct. I will update those promos on WKTY, and I'll do it just for you. How does that sound?
4: I appreciate that. All
2: right. Have a good night, Joe. Appreciate your call.
4: You too. Thanks, Grant.
2: Yeah, Have a good one. Joe and Lacrosse listening on WKTY. Joe and June. Uh, what a, what a nice musical duo that that sounds like it could be that's a good name let's file that away maybe you guys can start that band kurt and I were talking about what what was that name depressed market why do we use that term in baseball why do, where did that start where did that come from depressed well the market was pretty depressed well it was and the Brewers are pretty good job uh identifying guys like that Yasmani Grandal was that guy back in 2019. I think that was the immediate comp that a lot of us thought of when we saw this Reese Hoskins deal. It's like, oh, they're just doing the same thing they did with Grandal. Oh, nobody wanted to give you the big deal? Well, we'll give you a lot of money for one or two years. Uh, We can't give you the big deal, but we can let you park it here in Milwaukee, hit a bunch of home runs, win a bunch of games. Uh, It's not super expensive to live here. Either you're not going to pay what you'd pay living in L.A. or somewhere like that. So come park it for a year or two here. Fall in love with the city. We'll fall in love with you and, you know. And then go get a big deal elsewhere if you if if you play well, right? Your reward is getting to getting to leave. <laughs> I guess when you say that out loud, that's kind of a depressing reality. But the Brewers have no money, so what do you want from me? We're not the Dodgers. We're not the Mets. We're never going to be those teams. Coming up next, I want to talk about the big NFL news of the day. Ben Johnson is staying with the Detroit Lions, which means that. Clip from Wolf of Wall Street was everywhere on Twitter today. That's played out, by the way. The, I'm not leaving. We it's that movie's been out for a while. We can we can find a new video to play in situations like this. We can do better. We can be better. But I want to talk about the return of Ben Johnson, what it means for the Lions, for the division, and the Commanders. It seemed like he was headed to the Commanders until all of a sudden he wasn't. So we'll talk about that. That's the biggest news in football today. I also want to describe to you a theme, a trend that I saw in the NFL playoffs this year, and it's something that the Packers should take note of should they want to make another postseason run and get even farther in 2024-2025. Hour 2 of the Wisco Sports Show, coming up next. First, an update from Zach Heilbrin.
5: We fully believed and fully expected to win this game I and
0: mean, give San Francisco credit, but I, I felt like we had plenty of opportunities to kind of put the game out of reach, didn't do enough.
1: This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. the Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills.
2: Bucks news today too. Adidas is naming their gymnasium court at their campus in Portland after him. So they were out there today. Jim Ozarski is going to join the Bill Michaels show tomorrow. So we'll talk about that. Talk about how the Doc Rivers era is going so far. It's a young era. We're just getting started, but we'll check in with Jim Ozarski tomorrow. He was busy today because he had to go see Damian Lillard in this court. It was christened. It was commemorated. It was I don't I don't know the exact word actually, but they had the ceremony today. Looked pretty cool. I see Eric name tweeting out pictures of it now. Pretty cool. Now I'll be a sports fan and, and ruin it. Uh, I wish you would have hit some more shots last night, but <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. I think the Bucks big picture looked pretty solid last night. They defended pretty well. They looked like a sturdier version of themselves uh, than they had looked over the last couple of weeks and months, which I think is step one in the Doc Rivers era. Doc's debut last night. The doctor is in couldn't really think of uh i couldn't really think of any more doctor puns i'll keep thinking though now that doc is the coach i think i think some doctor puns will be a necessity this is the wisco sports show my name is grant bills i'm on twitter at wisco grant you can call the show 608-321-1670 ben johnson announced today he's staying with detroit now i had seen it reported i, I thought pretty confidently from some sources it seemed like he was going to be the guy Without saying he is for sure going to be the guy, it seemed that he was going to be the guy. Now I I don't know what happened. I, there was some reporting today. It's like he wants to win a Super Bowl in Detroit. Well, yeah, and I want a million dollars, but you know, like you can't always get what you want. And who's to say that they come back next year, they're even better, and they go on another run and they win a Super Bowl? I I don't know. I think there were some. Truth to Dan Campbell's words the other night, and I said this on last night's show, Dan Campbell's right to think that this is the best shot they're going to get, at least for a while. It's going to be harder next year. They're going to play a harder schedule. Teams are going to be out to get them. And you can't get to a much better spot than up 17 points at halftime in an NFC championship game against Brock Purdy. Like, it doesn't get much better. It doesn't get much easier than that. You don't get much closer than that. So a lot of people thought Ben Johnson might get a head coaching gig last year, Everyone thought he would certainly get one this year and he's got to be careful a little bit because the next hot shot up and coming offensive coordinator, that's a good place to be. That's a great place to be. But if you stay in that place a little too long, you know, at one point in time, I thought Joe Brady was the next hot shot up and coming thing Uh, and, and then he disappeared and I guess he failed upwards into the offensive coordinator position with the bills because ken dorsey ken dorsey had to go they had to fire somebody the offense was not the issue earlier on in the year like actually all of the advanced metrics for buffalo's offense got worse after ken dorsey was out of there now you could say well they just need to make a change okay sure but joe brady was the one who actually benefited joe brady i thought was going to be a, an nfl head coach others on the short track and then it went south for him under matt rule and just never really got off the ground. And I think Ben Johnson is a great offensive coordinator. But this league moves quickly. We talked about this last week. Like everyone, everyone thinks, oh, this guy's definitely going to get a job. This guy, everyone's looking at this guy. And, and these owners, these GMs, they they want to discover their own guy. And, and and someone who hires Ben Johnson next year, they're not going to be able to say, I discovered him. I made him. Well, No, he's been talked about as a potential head coach now for a couple of years. Now, I think it's cool. I like it when coordinators stay. A big part of why uh, Denver, not Denver, I have no clue why Denver just came out of my mouth, a big reason why, that New England was so good for so long is they had, for the most part, a lot of coordinator continuity. Right, Bill Belichick was the defensive guy, so he could rotate defensive coordinators underneath him, and it, and it wasn't as as disruptive to lose a defensive coordinator. Josh McDaniels was there forever. Dante Scarnecchia, their outstanding offensive line coach, there forever. Right. Clemson was so great for so long. Venables is there forever. They didn't have to worry about the turnover, which, by the way, makes Nick Saban's run at Alabama even more impressive as he was churning through offensive coordinators left and right. It's like, okay, I'll bring back Lane Kiffin. Here's Sark. Here's Bill O'Brien. I'll win with them all. It don't matter. Come here for a year. Resurrect your career. Go on to do something else. I'll just grab someone else. I'll win another national title. Doesn't matter. Right. I like coordinator continuity. It allows teams to stay stable and to stay relevant. We can watch the Detroit Lions one year and then say, all right, next year, let's see what they do. And we don't have to factor in for widespread coordinator change. So I think it's cool for the Lions. I think it's great for a potential Packers, Lions, or or NFC North rivalry, however the division shapes up next year. Um, I'm interested now to see what Washington does. I think Belichick is just out, but maybe Vrabel now? Maybe the door's open for him? I, I don't know. I'm not sure. 608 321 1670. Let's take a couple of calls. Wisco Sports Show, who's this? Grant
6: Bills, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you?
7: Good. Hey, uh, so no, it's kind of cool right now to see that the Badger basketball team's in the top five, and you got the Badger women's hockey team ranked second, and you got the Badger hockey team ranked fourth. Big series of Minnesota coming up this weekend at the Coles Center because Minnesota's coming in ranked number nine, first time since. 2006 that you'll have the badgers in minnesota both in the top 10 for hockey so
2: big joe the cold center is about to have a heck of a weekend isn't it wrapping up with purdue wisconsin absolutely. purdue wisconsin that's as good as it gets in college basketball on sunday afternoon Oh,
7: absolutely purdue and wisconsin this weekend too i know that's gonna be a hot ticket to get so
2: can you get me a ticket can you get me can you sneak me in there you got any connections
7: I actually do. I used to work for the university for the security team, so I used to work for Primar, So I probably could get you in there, Grant.
2: Uh, do you know like the secret passageways and tunnels and all that? Like uh... I
7: actually do. Yep. I was going to say. But actually, no, and it's not even Primar anymore. I think it's what is it CSC, something like that.
2: I don't know who has the security contract of the Cole Center. I don't. Right. What you what's yeah, what's what's been going on, Big Joe? It's been like a mo- it's been like five months at least since I've talked to you.
7: I'm just busy with work and. All right. Just, you know, signing my life and thinking some things out. And no, I've been good and I've been getting to some concerts. I got a couple of good ones coming up in August. I'm going to see blink 182. I'm going to see Green Day. That's
2: going to be awesome. Oh, boy. I think I'm going to get tickets to see Hozier at uh, the Steve in August. I'm really excited about the idea of that concert outside summer Friday night. So, as, as long as we're talking about concerts that we're we might be going to in like eight months, I'll go ahead and throw mine out there.
7: Man, I wish you and me could have went and saw Gordon Lightfoot, Lightfoot before he died, man. <laughs> I, was... I know he was that he was in town. I just can't remember if it was the Overture or the Orpheum or where he was, but yeah, he was in town. I know what you're talking about.
2: Some of these, uh, some of these old guys, and I appreciate you, Big Joe. Some of these older guys, I'm, I'm fine with, I'm fine with not seeing them because they're old and decrepit. And Gordon Lightfoot drank like a fish for so long; like, he did not exactly sound great. You go back, you listen to. He has this awesome. Uh, concert that he did for BBC the whole thing's on YouTube you watch the whole thing it's it's before uh midsummer's dream before Edmund Fitzgerald came out and he sounds as as good and as clear and as smooth of a, a male singing voice as you'll ever hear it's so good and he started hitting the booze voice got a little nasally wasn't quite as good uh but Buffett's a, buffett's the same way like I saw him in 2018 and it was it was great. Um, but I, man, I listened to some of those live albums from the '90s when he was really ripping. It's like, oh, so I know it would have been nice to see Gordon, uh, Big Joe. I know you're a big fan as well, but I don't know. He was past his prime and then some. Uh, rest in peace, respectfully, of course. Six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy Wisco Sports Show. Who says? This is Hector in
6: Alaska.
2: Hey, Hector. Speaking of people we don't often hear from anymore, what's going on? Oh, I'm sorry about your Ravens. Let me first and foremost say that.
6: I had to take a couple days to to heal before I made my my face, uh, you know, public again. What went I wrong think, for your Ravens? What happened? Well, um, I I honestly don't know. I don't want to. I'm not one to blame one specific thing, but man, Lamar choked, and as a avid fan even through the whole entire offseason with the question marks about him I never wavered for my love and support for Lamar and I still don't but if I had to blame something it's him I mean some of the mistakes that he made he hasn't he hasn't even made any he, these, of these mistakes in the season so to just kind of fall apart that like that it was uh, it was sad um, I don't blame Zay I mean I'll give him the rookie pass because throughout the season he was so good that I haven't given him the rookie pass for a mistake. He didn't really, I guess you can't, I wouldn't really even pin it on him. It was a good defensive play. Um, That's true. It was a great punch. I mean, it was a
2: great punch. I, I I would be critical of him with that taunting penalty. Like, that was just dumb. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know what the Packers do with their wide receivers. We pull our hair out that they don't draft George Pickens or... You know, I know in a couple of years ago, not to just put Andy Herman on blast here, but I'll, I'll use him as an example. I remember he really liked Kadarius Toney, like Packers fans talked about some of these players and, and they go on to just be a little nutty, George Pickens, just a little odd. And I don't think Zay Flowers is, is a, a drama queen. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that he's, he's a head case, but the Packers, they get these guys like Romeo Dobbs is a robot and Jaden Reed. It, it sounds like when you listen to him talk, like he's been in the, in the league for years, and then you see Zay Flowers, who, like you said, had been one of the best rookies all year, one of the best receivers all year, and he just has a brain fart in a really bad moment.
6: Yeah, yeah there was all, there was a... It, it was kind of shocking to me the way that I feel like they let the Chiefs get under their skin because, I mean... We knew that was going to happen, and I feel like it started right before the game with the whole Justin Tucker thing. He, he of course, played it down, but that's Justin Tucker. He's not going to make anything into anything. So, all good fun is is exactly what I expected him to say. But if you watch the video, Travis Kelsey was not happy. Um, And Tucker kind of acted laughed it off, you know, like I would if when my kid talks mad to me when he beat me when she beat me in one race during Mario Kart. Yeah. And we'll do twenty five races in a night, but the one race she beat me, she's like staring over me like they um and so I kinda just laugh and shake it off kind of thing. So it was odd that they got that flustered and fell apart, but I kinda I was at work for the first quarter and a half and when I got out there and I watched one minute of the game before I drove home, right before halftime, and I could just tell there was something—just yeah. a little bit off—and they never, they never pulled themselves out of it, and it was really disappointing. So, Lamar um, didn't look scary
2: like when I watch Mahomes. No. Even when his team isn't cooking, I'm like, at any moment it, it, he could, he could just snap his finger and light it all on fire. And even with the Niners, like I don't think Brock Purdy's amazing, but that unit as a whole, at any moment, they have one thing click. And all of a sudden, they can go on a tear. You know, score a couple right. touchdowns as they did. They scored 27 points in the second half. I at no point during that Ravens-Chiefs game was like, they better be careful because at any moment, the Ravens could explode on offense and Lamar could get going. I just didn't feel that.
6: Right. And they did get going. They had a couple drives where they were they were were marching down the field because they were running the ball again. Mm-hmm. And then Lamar just got it in his head that, he, you know, I'm down, I need to throw and he just had the throw, and it was sad. And then they let MVS beat down over the top to hey. keep the or to end the game. Come on. Hey, MVS is performing MVS outperformed
2: football. Devontae Adams in the last conference championship yeah. game they were in together in
6: 2020-2021. Yeah. Also, last thing real quick, because I know other callers and whatnot, but um, I'll be real sad if you get or from us. He's such a yeah. good coach. I love that guy. Uh, what, he did, what he did with the... Uh, two linebackers we have this year it was phenomenal. Um, in 2000, or last year, just last year, uh, Josh Allen, the outside linebacker in Jacksonville, had his best career year under him. Uh, it, before that, he was with Baltimore for another five years, and we we're we've always been a top defense. He's he's a good coach, so I'd be happy because he's still, you know, he's a hacker So I would still root for him, but it would be sad to let him go.
2: Yeah. Well, I pre- first of all, I'm going to let you go, Hector. I'm going to keep talking about this, but I appreciate you. Sorry about your Ravens, buddy. Yeah, thanks. What are you going to do? It's a good, it's a good lesson in loss, right? And I know, I know you have some, you have some beautiful uh, children. I had the privilege to meet Hector actually, and he introduced me to his kids. A lovely family. It was hopefully. I don't know if your kids are sports fans. You're watching the game with them. It's an important lesson. It's like, hey, kids, football is really fun, but also most of the time it's not because <laughs> you get into the playoffs and you lose and it sucks, sucks. So, an important lesson in loss for your kids, and maybe, just maybe, I don't know how you behaved in front of your kids, but maybe that's the first time that your kids, Hector, were like, oh, daddy's kind of scary when he gets mad. Uh, I don't remember that first experience when I was young where I saw my dad was like, oh, okay, so he can be scary when he gets angry. And my dad was very loving. Hold on, let me me, be accurate, but, you know, little kid. I'm, you know how annoying kids are you know, every once in a while dad gets frustrated like oh okay yep I'm gonna mm-hmm, I'm gonna go to my room quietly yep that's it's the end of that dad's a little he's in a little mood he's a little scary right now so maybe Hector's kids Hector would never take his sports frustration out on his kids I don't see it but uh, an important lesson in loss no doubt poor Ravens I feel bad for Ravens fans I feel worse for Lions fans Ravens kind of did it to themselves a little bit like a lot has been made the last two days of their game plan you know where it went wrong for your Ravens Hector It went wrong in a couple different ways, but you know, one area that really cost him in this game was in the red zone. They were right there. Zay Flowers was, what, a yard, two yards away from the goal line, and he fumbled. And then they were driving again with a chance to score. Lamar Jackson throws an interception into triple coverage in the end zone, right? In the playoffs, we saw this with the Packers, the red zone is a huge difference maker, right? Because you get into the playoffs, all these teams are good. All these teams have an offense that's a, a certain level of good like you can't make it past the first or second round in the playoffs if you don't have at least a very good offense there's levels right there's le- different levels to offense. it like I think the the Niners offense is a little bit better than the Lions but the Lions had a great offense the uh, we know the Chiefs they had Patrick Mahomes I don't care I don't care if he's playing with a bunch of Pop Warner kids like Patrick Mahomes okay and the Ravens obviously scored a ton of points this year They are very good offense as well. There's levels, but you get to this level in the postseason. All the offenses are good enough. All the defenses are good enough. So these games are decided by the tiniest little edges here and there. It's like whose kicker can be trusted? uh, Whose wide receiver doesn't drop a ball on fourth down? Or which teams convert opportunities in the red zone? Because all these offenses, all these quarterbacks are good at this stage of the playoffs. They're all going to move the ball. They're all going to drive up and down the field. They're all going to get a certain number of completions, certain number of yardage. You can just assume it. All these teams are good. They don't make it to the conference championship game without having a good enough offense, good enough defense. So instead, we look at these little edges here and there. That's where the difference can be found in a lot of these postseason games. Look at the Packers Niners, the division round. Packers got to the red zone, didn't get it done. The Ravens got to the red zone, didn't get it done. A fumble, an interception from Lamar Jackson. And I think moving forward, you know, I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about that. I'm going to remember that because when Aaron Rodgers was quarterback of the Packers, I don't know that their offense was always the most efficient. I'm on the record. I've been on the record for months and months and months saying Aaron Rodgers made football harder than it needed to be. Aaron Rodgers thing sometime turned down the easy play, turned down the simple play to try to make a big play. And, the, you know, there's a give and take there. Totally. But what Aaron Rodgers was excellent at. And it was a big factor in 2014. It was a big factor in 2020, 2021. Aaron Rodgers having that relationship with his number one wide receiver, whether it was Jordy Nelson or later on when they finally made it back to the conference championship game, they hosted it in 2021. Not that it mattered. He had that relationship with Devontae Adams. And when you have that unspoken connection, that wink and a nod connection, that unspoken thing that's straight up indefensible, you can go to that well, In the red zone, in the end zone, in 2014, I mean, some of the things that Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson would do is like backyard football, where Jordy Nelson would put his hand up towards the sideline in the end zone, Rodgers would throw it out of bounds, Jordy Nelson would go get it. Like, you can't defend that. Even in 2016, when when they went down to, to Jerry World and won, some of those throws to Devontae Adams in the end zone, it's like, oh God, I don't know how you defend that, or in 2020. I mean... Aaron Rodgers hit Devontae Adams right in the hand in that championship game against the Bucks. He just dropped it in the end zone. But, you know, all these teams, the NFL nowadays is all about having a sharp offensive coordinator, right? Mixing the run in the pass, uh, staying on script. Ben Johnson, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, Todd Monken, with, uh, with, with the Baltimore Ravens. All of these hot shots, Sean McVay with the Rams. You want an offensive coordinator that runs a system with a quarterback that for the most part sticks to it, only improvises when necessary. That's great. That's how you run offense in the NFL right now. That offense isn't always the best option in the red zone. Sometimes in the red zone, you need a quarterback and a wide receiver or two wide receivers that have an unspoken connection where you drop a little concept in the dirt and you're like, all right, do this and that and I'll find you because you can't defend that. Even in confined space, you can't defend that. So going into next year, quarterback like Jordan Love on an offense like the Packers, he needs to develop a little bit of that with Romeo Dobbs, a little bit of that with Dontavian Wicks. It's like, yeah, we can scheme up a crosser and a slant, but in this confined space, it's hard to just scheme up open guys in the end zone so you need a little bit of that wink and a nod tap of the helmet wiggle of the hand hand signal thing now that takes time to develop and I think Packers fans that's where we as much shade and as much dirt as we throw on Aaron Rodgers this year need to realize there is a place for some of that in an NFL offense you want it situationally on third and fourth down and in the red zone you don't want it every play but inside the 20s Gotta have it crucial downs. Those are the types of throws and catches that need to be made by wide receivers and quarterbacks. Mahomes did it, right? Purdy did it a little bit. Jordan Love was a couple throws short. Lamar Jackson, couple throws short. Same with Jared Goff as well. Now, part of that was a drop by Josh Reynolds, but you get the point I'm trying to make, right? The hot shot offensive coordinator marching up and down the field real efficient. That's great until you're in a confined space and you gotta have it. Sometimes then you need to go off the script. A little bit and run a play and throw a ball that's truly indefensible. All right, let's take a three minute break. More calls next. Wisco Sports Show, back after this.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Wisco Sports Show, Mike Clemens will be here. He sent me a text, sent me an email. He's coming on. So we're going to talk about Packers defensive coordinator candidates. Maybe look forward to the Super Bowl a little bit. Talk about the conference championships. Red zone, big deciding factor in some of these games. So having a sharp offensive minded head coach or offensive coordinator and a quarterback that reads the teleprompter and gets the ball where it's supposed to go and you're layering, building, you know, this play onto this play. And that's great. But every once in a while in the playoffs, You get down towards the end zone in a confined space, and it's not as simple as scheming someone open. Sometimes you need a quarterback and a wide receiver with the capability to scheme up a little something of their own, a little wink and a nod, you do this, I go there, and and you throw some type of back shoulder thing that we saw Rodgers and Jordy Nelson, Rodgers and Devontae Adams. You saw that all the time. You need a little bit of that. Red zone, third down, fourth down, and the Packers, I think, adding that into their offense. A little bit of spice, with Jordan Love and some of these wide receivers. That's gonna be important next year. Look at the Ravens. They couldn't punch it in. Zay Flowers fumbling. Lamar Jackson thrown into triple coverage. 608-321-1670. We got time for two calls. Then we'll get to Mike Clemens. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Ridge Runner Mark. How are we doing, sir? Ridge Runner Mark, I am fantastic this evening. How are you?
8: Good, good. I wanted to build a little bit off of your your idea of of being able to, you know, in a confined space, the red zone to to draw something up in the dirt. With that unspoken connection between the wide receiver and the quarterback. I think that to kind of build on that a little bit, instead of going outside of the playbook, it's trusting that your coach has given you plays that are usable, but maybe understanding and building the experience to say, you know what, my number one read isn't the best one here, it's my second read or it's my third read. And the quarter and the wide receiver being able to recognize that. And then, being, then the communication. And then they're like, okay, I know the first week isn't going to do it because of this is what I'm seeing. And that experience to say, okay, within the play, this is what I know is going to work, so we're going to go – that's what's going to happen. And then making that happen as opposed to always wanting to, to do the – draw the play up on the dirt, which will have its uses. But, frankly, that's probably not something we're going to see for a few more years because I think a lot of that is experience. It's not necessarily – having that talent so much as Rogers been there, done that. A lot of his original offense, I think, did a ton of back shoulder throws, and he saw how good that was, and he knew how to exploit that. Sure. And we might see that Love's going to see something different within the scheme of what LaFleur is doing, and he's going to be able to rip off of that. So it's still within the confines of the playbook, but it maybe it's something different than drawing it up in the dirt. It's You know, it's the second read. I know with this play, the second read is going to be better. In sure.
2: Sure. Does that make sense? So recognizing nuances, because I, I think so many of these, uh, these successful plays over the last couple of weeks, you're just like, how did this guy get so open? Right? And maybe that's the first right. read. Or, or maybe maybe that was Jordan Love recognizing, like, okay, I'm going to hold on on my first read because I think this guy might, might come wide open down the field. Like, who knows? I, I think you are correct, Mark, in that it's it's maybe not drawing up something in the play, but it's understanding all of these plays on a deeper level to really best push and pull levers and push the buttons of the opposing defense to punch it in, even in a confined space like the red zone.
8: And we do also have to recognize, I think as well, this year, the success Jordan Love had was because he was new. Defenses didn't know how he was going to look at things. They were used to Rodgers kind of morphing Lefeur's, uh playbook. And they didn't know how to react because they were seeing a different quarterback, a different different place, and that was where a lot of these guys were getting wide open. And also maybe they didn't they're like, Oh, it's a rookie wide receiver, he doesn't know what he's doing, hold he's ten yards past me. Yeah. That that kind of could have been a lot of it as well. So as, as Jordan Love matures, we're gonna see him doing similar things to Rodgers. It's just gonna look different. Because he's going to have the experience and it's going to be a different foundation that he's built
2: off. Of. Well, he's a different quarterback, right? He throws differently. Oh, he thinks differently. He behaves. To, you know, I, I know we want to compare him to Rogers. Oh, this is more far. Well, he's neither. He's Jordan Love. He's his own guy. Yeah. And that's part of the fun. It's like, let's see what this guy's got up his sleeve. That's, that's what's nice about a Packers fan is we just assume he's good. And, and all that's left to find out is. Uh, what style of good is he? Like, is he just very good? Is he going to be a Hall of Famer? We know we got our franchise guy. That that was only in question for a couple weeks in October. How, how good do we have it?
8: Right, exactly. It's just it's going to be fun watching him become his own quarterback. You're still going to have the foundation, the to, to throw off the back foot. How did he do that? Because it's a mechanics thing that Favre had, that now Rodgers had, and then Love picked it up. I mean, it, it's hard not to see that and say, oh, that that's, That's what they do. Um, But, yeah, he's going to do things differently, and he's going to be more successful in different ways. Um, And I think his accuracy has improved as well Um, well, as far as the long ball goes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch.
2: I think so, too. I'm excited. I appreciate your Ridge Runner, Mark. Enjoy uh, the evening up on the Ridge, wherever that is.
8: (laughs) Yep, take it easy, man.
2: Have a a good one, Mark. Thanks for listening. WKTY in lacrosse. Mike Clemens momentarily will be joining us. Talk about some of these defensive coordinator candidates and what comes next for the Packers. Maybe react to the conference championship games as well. Mike Clemens joins us next on The Bill Michaels Show. We're back. The Bill Michaels Show. The Wisco Sports Show. It's the second time I've done that in like a week. We're back in five minutes.
1: This is The Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Expectations going into this season are not going to be the same expectations going into next season. And they've earned that. But with that, you better put in the work because nothing's guaranteed. They're going to have to get to work here quickly. Give a couple days to decompress and then get back on the grind.
2: It's the Wisco Sports Show. I love the self-awareness and the honesty from head coaches over the last week or so as their team get get eliminated. Matt LaFleur saying, oh, this isn't going to be easy. Next year is going to be way harder, right? We're not just going to be able to waltz in here and be some great team next year just because we finished this year strong. And then Dan Campbell the other night, brutal and honest reality. He's like, hey, this could have been our shot, right? We're not just going to waltz into week one next year and be this. Now everyone's going to want a piece of us. We're playing a harder schedule, right? So I I like the honesty because I think the players – can see through a coach that isn't honest and when a coach is trying to piss on him and tell him that it's raining who's like no week one we're right there we'll just show him next year like no it it sucks to get bounced from the playoffs and it takes a lot of work to get back even to the divisional round or the nfc championship game in the case of the lions mike clemens is here mike a brutal loss for our packers last week and then i watched what happened to the lions and i'm like "Oh, okay it could be it could be worse i could even be in a worse spot as a fan my team could even be more sad Oh, Mike, are you there? Did I lose you, Mike? I think I might have lost Mike. Here, I'm going to hang up on Mike, see if he gives me a call back. Send him a quick text. That was a really good setup, too. I'm at two se- <laughs> uh, this is the Wait, try this one, Mike. I, I'm, this is terrible radio. I'm texting him on the air. Uh, I suppose I could call him back. That was a good setup, too. I thought about that for like two minutes when we were on the air. Or try 608 321 1670. Try one of those. It was a good setup. Damn it. I do love self-aware coaches. Don't you love a self-aware boss? Uh, a self-aware parent. They're not gonna feed you some line of crap, right? A self-aware boss that'll tell you like it is. I hope this is Mike. Otherwise, otherwise, this segment's really gonna go south. Hey, Mike, is this you? Yeah, it is. Awesome. Well, first of all, great bumper. Loved that cut from Matt LaFleur. I was comparing it a little bit to what Dan Campbell had to say after their loss. It's like this isn't easy you get it you get this far you don't just turn around and, and show up week one next year and, and pick up in the same place it's really really hard
5: no uh and you know don't think you've got a four month vacation you're gonna have to work hard we got that close but you know we're a solid team can you hear me right now yeah i can hear you okay you okay. sound great all right because it because in in my feedback here uh it, it interrupts from time to time on this landline i've got oh you sound uh, good anyway uh, yeah, I you know, I think that was a strong message for him to say, look, you guys are, you know, entering a Super Bowl window and, you know, next time uh, we're going to get close to a shot you beat. And I was almost thinking if the uh, playoffs had gone a certain way over the weekend, uh, you could have said if you were playing the Lions and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, the Packers could say, hey, we beat both of those teams this year. They're in the Super Bowl now.
2: Yeah,
7: that,
5: that would have been amazing.
2: Yeah. One of those games in Detroit. They went to Detroit in a huge spot on Thanksgiving and beat them, too. Yeah, they could hang.
5: They did. So one of the things I thought was interesting to talk about right now is like, all right, how are they coming along on defensive coordinator? Mm -hmm. And there's been, you know, little stories that trickle out here and there, nothing really uh, blurring. There's, you know, it's pretty quiet. There's not a lot of leaks coming out of 1265. But the list that they've talked to so far is Christian Parker. Uh, this is a guy who was actually a defensive quality coach, Lafleur's first year in Green Bay when Mike Pettine was still the defensive coordinator, and that's typically a, a young guy who's, you know, I mean, making normal wages, <laughs> and there to observe and there to there to run numbers and cut tape and yeah. you know, kind of a golfer, but to be around an NFL team and just see what it's like. And um, this guy must be really smart and impress people. He was a briefly a player. Then he, uh, he got started as a graduate assistant at Virginia State, Norfolk State, uh, one year as a defensive analyst for Notre Dame, then Texas A&M the next year. I mean, he's going up the ladder. He got that internship, if you will, for two seasons in Green Bay. And I don't know much about the guy because we never talk to them. They don't, they don't come to us. They don't have press conferences. They're not really made available. You know, they're just part of staff that's upstairs. And, sure. you know, they're down on the field on, on practice day. So, um, you know, it's kind of a surprise. Like, who's this guy? Oh, yeah, that's right. He was he just pretty much known from the guide and, and seen him on the field. So now he's been the defensive back for the Denver Broncos and must just have a, a, a tremendous knack for, uh, you know, what he's been doing with that secondary, given the players he had to work with, 32 years old, and he interviewed. He's also had other interviews around the league. Then the rest of the list is Aiden Dirty, who's 44 years old. He's a defensive line coach, former player for the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. Interesting, right after you beat them, you you want to talk to their defensive line coach. Denard Wilson uh, is uh, with the Ravens, a defensive back coach. He's He's 41. Zach Orr, Zachary Orr, he's also with the Ravens, an inside linebacker coach. And you know the Ravens? And you know a couple of other teams. You know I could probably actually sit back and go back over all my notes. But three or four times during the course of a season, usually it was a team that Lafleur was going to play. But he just might mention it. You know he'd say, nah, I like that defense. I like how they you know they swarm to the ball." Yep. And they're just he 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 hasn't hidden that he wants to see another level of energy and uh, you know decisiveness. And frankly, you know, guys just putting their bodies on the line. There's just there's three or four other defenses that he could name off the you know top of his head, where he'd like to see the Packers defense. And for whatever reasons, you know, Joe Barry just wasn't getting that kind of performance. And then he talked to Brandon Staley, you know, the uh, the head coach of the Chargers that just got fired. He's 41. They had a cup of coffee together, I think, with the Rams, right? And another guy that was intriguing was he talked to the linebackers coach for the Buffalo Bills. Bobby Babbage, of course, the Bills have had they've got some tremendous players there at linebacker.
6: Mm-hmm. He's
5: forty years old. Um, he take him off the board. Uh, they just promoted him to defensive coordinator in Buffalo today, so he's not going to be a to Green Bay. So those are the guys that so far have, uh, have been talking to Lafleur about Joe Barry's job.
2: I like. The thought process behind, uh, and, and you can hire. Look, linebacker coach, defensive line coach, second safeties. It, it doesn't matter, right? If they're a good coach and their message can carry, and they can lead men, and hire a staff, you, you don't need to coach any certain position group. I, I, I think to succeed. No, but and, I, I do like you know secondary guy Mike. They might draft a lot of safeties and corners. They this might be a, a draft where they really invest in the back end, and it might be nice to have a guy with that perspective. Not necessary, but it might be nice.
5: Right, but what you want is a.
2: What in Sam Heck? What's going on with the phones today? I'm sorry about that, Mike. Here, here's what I'm gonna take my final break, and I'm gonna call back, Mike, and see if we can't wrap up this conversation. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Sports Show. We're wrapping things up. We got Mike Clemens here. We are working hard. We are earning our time with Mike Clemens pushing through uh, some bugs in the phone system. Mike, right before we dropped off and before we took that last break, just talking a little bit about how some of these guys have a focus in coaching defensive backs. And maybe that might be nice given the Packers maybe are fixing to draft. I think some corners and safeties with all of those extra picks in the second, third, fourth round this year.
5: Yeah, although Greg Williams I thought did a good job in his first year replacing Jerry Gray. Who went down to Atlanta? Now Jerry's probably out looking for a job with Arthur Smith. Gone. Raheem Morris coming in as the head coach. But the bottom line is this: you know, a week ago we were saying, "Okay, well, what's Lafleur really going to do now after Joe Barry?" And people were saying, "Wow, there's Bill Belichick. Maybe he'll come on and get a Super Bowl ring that way." Like, no way. No, I mean, there's a reason that like no one in the league is talking to Bill because well, what I've heard from some teams is. Get a look at these coaches now. They work with different departments. There was even the GM in the, uh, what was it, the Titans, who said, you know what, we need to tear down the silos, which is exactly what Mark Murphy said five years ago. Yep. And so you've got to bring in a head coach that leads players, that coaches well, good, and a great game manager. But it, you can't just say, it's for me to know and you to find out. That, those days are gone for Pete Carroll and – and bill belichick you know they need someone that works with the other departments talks to the owners and explains what's going on that's what these teams are looking for so that just shows our prediction like no LaFleur's going to hire a guy like himself a guy that's fast making the fast track up the ranks wants to call a defensive coordinator job for two or three years maybe get a super bowl ring or two and then go get his own head coaching job and i think that's the smart way for Lafleur to go
2: That'd be choice. I like the idea of bringing in coaches that are fighting their way up the ladder, not coaches that have kind of topped out and are now looking to fall backwards. Like, I don't need Ron Rivera, uh, you know, former head coaches that are now looking to settle in. I want a guy who's looking to climb, who's motivated, who's hungry.
5: Right. Yeah. I would be surprised if that would be the choice, you know, for Green Bay. Same. Yeah. So um, the Pro Bowl announcements today, uh, you know, a lot of players that uh, were named to the Pro Bowl are actually going to be in the super bowl uh cj stroud is going to be in there at quarterback I saw, thought i saw in the crawl jalen hurt uh from the eagles could be, play some quarterback in the flag i don't even know what that format looks. i haven't seen that yet
2: yeah i'm <laughs> i'm I'm not interested
5: we're, we're busy fun. at the super bowl I'll, you know i'll give it a look at some point but anyway um kenny clark gets the phone call today and he's named the pro bowl of course that that uh, triggers an alarm on his contract. He gets a little bonus out of that. He's going to replace Javon Hargrave, defensive lineman, for the 49ers, who's going to be playing in the game. So Kenny gets to go. And I, I, w- I, I, I picked this up. We're in the locker room. They've lost to the 49ers. It's interesting, by the way, about the how the 49ers struggled for three-quarters against the Packers and then pulled out a win. Struggled for three-quarters or at least the first half against the Lions and then came roaring back with 27 un- unanswered. Um, and I talked to Kenny about uh, about that fact, and you know how that game slipped away for the Packers in San Francisco.
1: Through three quarters, it looked like Purdy was able to be struggling in his throwing game. Like he was, hey, guys, you took him mm-hmm. out. Did
5: you sense that? Are there things you did to make that happen?
1: Yeah, I feel like we we did that pretty much the whole game. Uh, last what six minutes of the game? Um, I don't know. I don't know what happened, but. Uh, just it's tough it's tough i feel like for the majority of the game we we definitely um you know played a, a really good defensive game um you know gave up some explosives uh you know but for the most part i feel like we we, we definitely played uh, a solid game
2: well and the lions would say the same thing mike they kept that offense in check for the first half and, and for portions of the third quarter the problem is like You can't bet on any defense, especially the Packers and the Lions, who are averaged maybe a little bit above average at best. You can't expect that defense to hold down this Niners offense for a whole game. The offenses, in my opinion, with the Lions and the Packers just didn't do enough.
5: No, and and also for the Lions, you know, they had a fumble. uh, They had some bad penalties called against them, and their head coach kicked a field goal (laughs) instead of going for it on fourth and three.
7: And, you
5: know, that cost them the game. Uh, One other thought I thought about is, you know all in all the packers 2023 schedule i thought worked out really nice i mean the variety of teams that they played there's not many other teams that i would have liked to have seen some of the other teams that, that they didn't play this year it's like well they didn't have a quarterback this year anyway it went down with an injury or something like mm-hmm. that but just the way it was spaced out and everything i thought that the league i mean they don't do it this way they do it for ratings they 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 put together those schedules for what's going to get us the most ratings. And I thought it was a pretty good schedule for the Packers, even though they had a Monday night game and a Thursday night game twice and this, that. And actually, I thought it spaced out pretty night nice and, and, and put them in a good position to to rest up a little bit and then get ready for the final push and have, have a pretty good team. So, um, you know, if you were to ask me what was the most disappointing performance by the Packers this year Mm -hmm. it's a toss-up between Monday Night Football and the Raiders but I'm going to go with um, the game against the Falcons and Arthur Smith really yeah they should have had that game first of all you know it's Desmond Ritter the third round pick from the year before average quarterback he had a little bit more playing time obviously than Jordan Love but he was still they're still trying to figure out if he was the next quarterback the next Matt Ryan for them and Atlanta, and he ends up being benched two or three weeks later. We we learned about how great a running back they've got in Bijan Robinson, and they can build an offense around him, the running back. But um, I I thought that the Packers should have played better or, or scored more in the first half, and then and actually they had I believe they had the early lead in that game, but uh, to, to have the ball in your hand and to throw five incompletions back-to-back at the end of the game mm-hmm. and end up losing that one. I thought that was the most frustrating loss of the season for the Packers.
2: That was frustrating. I think Vegas was certainly frustrating, too, on Monday night. Maybe it, it probably didn't help that it was nationally televised. Well What was the best moment then? If we're doing if we're doing some bookends here, what do you think the most surreal or, or the best performance this season was?
5: Most surreal um, was a preseason game, and you would had a couple of days of joint practices, with the New England Patriots, and here's the great Bill Belichick, you know, and he loves coming to Green Bay because of the history of football. And they got this preseason game going on, and we're about 10 minutes left in the game in the fourth quarter, and a a, a defensive back, a rookie named Isaiah Bolden, he gets hit in the the head by friendly fire, and he's out. He's gone. And they have to take him off with the backboard and slowly take him away direct to the hospital. And Belichick stands on the field and says, LaFleur, you know, I've seen enough here. You know, let's just let's call, call the league. Let's, let's just end it right here, should we? Sure. And LaFleur's like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, if, if you want to, sure. And for, for Bill Belichick to do that, then he has to walk into the visitor's uh, interview room and do a press conference, and somebody from the Patriots, like, left the TV on, and it was high and above and blaring, and he couldn't start it because there's this TV in the room, blaring in the background he's like could somebody fix that please so he finally has to turn to scott zolak who's six foot five and handsome blonde hair looks nice. like an anchorman he hosts the the patriot stuff he was a quarterback for them a backup in the 90s he was able to reach up to that tv and just yank the cable off the back no kidding. and then belichick announces you know that uh yeah you know it's uh well, here's why we decided to end the game, and he took some questions. He was completely shaken, though. At seeing that kid, I thought, man, he might be getting too old for this, you know? Interesting. Just, this is too much. So that was a surreal moment.
6: Those
2: experiences are scary. Did you have a favorite moment covering the Packers if we're doing a year in review? What do you think the
5: yeah, best one was? of course. The, the blowout over the Cowboys was tremendous, and I don't understand some fans that say, why are you guys talking about what the Cowboys didn't, did, didn't do instead of the Packers? And the answer is because it was it was unbelievable how flat Mike McCarthy's team was. Agreed. Jerry Jones. To me, the game, the performance was the first half in Detroit on Thanksgiving against the Lions. And even though the Lions are not you know, a, a, a top three, four team or something, they're kind of a Cinderella team, but they've been building for three years. But to punch them in the mouth and to come up with a game plan that made them look that bad and to catch them flat – as well, on Thanksgiving. But that's when, th- those were the first times you were seeing these plays f- to Love and his receivers where you turned to other people in the press box and say, what was that?
2: It's working.
5: Yeah, we look have, at this. <laughs> we've never seen anything like that on the practice field, in game. What, what is this? Yeah. What did they? What kind of a drug did they take? It was almost like a Disney movie. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Crazy stuff going on. And But that, you know, we've talked about how Love did pretty good in the loss against the Steelers. But that was like, wow, look how good they can be against a team that had just beat them a few weeks before.
2: It was really fun to see him put it all together. I am excited to travel the world, or at least travel to Las Vegas with you, Mike, this upcoming weekend. And you can show me the ropes and teach me a thing or two about being a real-time uh, I'll following have an update. Football. I'll,
5: and I'll have an update for you at this time at 530 Thursday because Brian awesome. Glutkins just announced he's going to hold a press conference Thursday at
2: noon. That's right. And we can look forward to that. I appreciate that, Mike. We'll talk on Thursday. Thanks, Grant. Have a good one. Mike Clemens. Sorry to make you work through the phone like that. I don't know what the issue was, but we persevered. Yeah, we didn't we didn't lose our cool. Maybe like the Lions did on Sunday night. No, we persevered. We got it done. Appreciate Mike and his time. little season in review tomorrow. I don't know what we're going to talk about tomorrow. Badgers basketball, haven't talked about them. Oh, by the way, go listen to The Swing. I did this week's episode with Jesse Temple, recorded this morning. Really good stuff from Jesse about this team. A huge weekend coming up for Wisconsin. So tomorrow, we'll talk more NFL. feel like we should probably start to talk about the Super Bowl. Have an awesome night. Talk to you tomorrow at 4. Thanks for listening.